Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. You know, we've talked around here a lot about the move of the Spirit and about what God is doing in the last days and uh, about revival and a, and, a, and a move of God that we believe will be uh, a climatic move of God uh, to bring the church age to completion. And uh, I preached this message uh, for the first time that I'm going to go that I'm going to uh, do some of tonight. Uh, for the first time in January of 2015. And uh, it's talking about uh, how we know that we're in uh, the last days and how we, how we know rather uh, to expect God to move uh, in, in a profound way in these last days. And uh, I started out back, back then two years ago by, by pointing this out that there have been uh, men and women of God with notable ministries, with uh, uh, ministries that have been validated and have uh, men of reputation whose ministries God has uh, validated and so forth that have prophesied that in these last days, just before Jesus returns, that there would be uh, a, a major outpouring of the Spirit of God, a major move of God, revival of God, whatever uh, terms you want to put on it. And, uh, you know, if, it's, if it was one person that said these things or two people that said these things, it would be notable. But, you know, there have been so many people that God used in, in, in their days in such powerful ways that all spoke about a, 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 a special, if I can use the word epic, uh, uh, outpouring and, and, and uh, revival of God just before Jesus returns. Men like in the Pentecostal world, and outside the Pentecostal world, people don't know who this was, but uh, Pentecostals know uh, of an old man named William Seymour. God used William Seymour in the great Azusa Street revival. He shepherded that entire revival that took place in that mission on Azusa Street. And, uh, and he spoke about these last days and he prophesied that before Jesus returned, in fact, that revival uh, uh, started in, in uh, 1906, I think, and went to 1912. Uh, services all day long, several times a day, into the evening. People were there from in the morning until late at night, into the wee hours in the morning, come back the next morning, seven days a week for, for years. Like I said, from, from uh, uh, 1906 to 1912, or maybe 1915, I'm not sure, different. You know, things wane gradually, and uh, it's hard to put a, an ending date on it. But he said that within about 100 years that there would be another great uh, outpouring of God. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth, well, back even before them, Charles Parham, who was actually the man uh, in Topeka, Kansas, that in the 20th century, the, uh, at the very dawn of the 20th century, he had a Bible school in Topeka, Kansas, and his students were praying and, and, uh, and seeking God. And uh, someone there began to speak with other tongues, and that was the first time that happened uh, in in uh, in the twentieth century, at the dawn of the twentieth century. And uh, he also predicted that there would be a great outpouring again just before Jesus returned. Smith Wigglesworth talked about it. Tommy Hicks was a an evangelist who ministered in uh, Central America and South America. Uh, back in the 1950s, was tremendously used of God. Not, not so well known in the United States, but, but uh, very well known uh, there. And he talked about it. He prophesied, and, and his prophecies are, 
have been recorded. The same thing. Lester Summerall, a man mightily used of God for decades and decades, a real apostle of faith, uh, predicted that before Jesus returned, there would be a great demonstration and outpouring of the Spirit. Kenneth E. Hagan uh, prophesied. All of these men were men with ministries that were proven. Men who prophesied other things that came to pass. And, uh, uh, and so we have, you know, we have that testimony. We have today the consensus among ministers that I know all across the land and, and in other countries. There's a consensus. There's, a, there's an awareness. There's an agreement and a sense when preachers get together and talk, you almost can't get together with a group of ministers that, that uh, are flowing with the Spirit that, that aren't talking about revival and the move of God. And so there's the witness of, of, of men who've gone uh, before us. There's the witness of the Spirit on the inside of us. Amen. Do you have that witness? Amen. But you know, I, I put this message together because I think it's important that we look at it and, uh, and I came up with seven scriptural reasons why I expect a major end time move of the Holy Spirit. Notice seven scriptural reasons. And thank God for the ministries of, of uh, men and women who've gone before and have predicted uh, these things. We value that. We, we don't want to uh, dis, uh, diminish that in any way. Thank God for that. Thank God for the witness that's in the hearts of ministers all across the country today, that's important. Thank God for the witness that's on the inside of us. But you know, above all else, we need scriptural basis for things. There needs to be a biblical basis for anything we believe, amen? And so the Lord gave me this seven scriptural reasons why I expect a major uh, end time move of the Spirit of God. And I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, glory to God. Matthew 16, hallelujah. In verse number 13, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In this scripture here we have reason number one, biblical reason to expect a major end time revival or move of, of the Holy Spirit. And that is that Jesus, he said, I will build my church. Well, he's still building the church. Amen. He's not finished. The church isn't fully completed. And uh, he said, I will build my church. But then he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, the margin of my Bible here says that this could, be, this could be read, the gates of hell will not be victorious against it or victorious over it. And so the church that Jesus is building is a church that will not be dominated by the forces of darkness, that the gates of hell or the powers of darkness will not dominate the church, but that instead the church will dominate and prevail against the powers of darkness. Amen. And I, I think if we look around, and this isn't to be negative by any means because God's, God's moving, but if we look around, I don't think we could honestly say 
that in most places in the world today, the church is prevailing and uh, overcoming uh, the forces of darkness. In many places in the world today, not the least of which is right here in our own beloved country, Christianity is in retreat as far as outward Christianity is concerned at least. Now you are not in retreat and I'm not in retreat. People that know the word of God and are filled with the spirit are not in, in retreat. But much of the church world is in retreat. And the forces of darkness in our own nation have pushed the church uh, back into a corner. And uh, in many places in the world, it's illegal to preach the gospel. But in many places where historically the gospel was preached centuries ago and became, uh, uh, became the, the, the place from which the gospel spread to the world, many of those places today, if you stand up and preach the gospel, you'll be jailed. At the very least, you'll be ridiculed and mocked into silence. If even in our own nation, people who who dare to stand up in a public forum and declare that they believe in the God of the Bible and they believe in basic Bible principles of morality are attacked and criticized. And in many places, the church has been silenced right here in our own nation. You're now considered an extremist. Do you know that? Everybody, everybody in this place, our popular culture considers you a religious extremist and a religious bigot because you dare to stay, to stand up and say the Bible is the word of God and everything that it says is sin is sin and everything the Bible says about God is true and everything the Bible says about this world is true. If you hold that position, uh, you know, you, 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 well, you know, in places of employment, you can't even talk about it. That's not the church prevailing. That's the forces of darkness. That's the gates of hell prevailing against the church. And it didn't, it didn't it, like I said, in some nations, in places in Europe, where you had the, the, the very beginning of the spread of the gospel to the nations, you go to those nations today, I mean, just a small fraction of people even go to church. And the, and the things that you and I believe are openly condemned and mocked. And it's becoming that way in this nation. Of course, this is not a, this is not a, a, a doom and gloom message because we know things are turning around. Amen. Amen. Because Jesus is still building his church. But my point is, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Amen. Amen. Well, in order for, for Jesus' vision of the church, Jesus' idea of the church, Jesus' plan for the church to be not, not being pushed back by darkness, but pushing back against darkness, overcoming darkness, for the church to ha be having an, import, an impact in this world the way Jesus said he's building it to have an impact, there's gotta be a mighty move of God. Amen. Things have got to change in this nation. Things have got to change in this world. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I know for many centuries, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, what this verse means, verse 18. He said, I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I know some people believe that Peter, that Jesus said he was building the church you know, upon Peter. Peter was the rock. Well, that's, we know that's not, that's not true. Jesus is the rock upon which the church is built. Amen. And... Uh, and so, you know, people have tried, people just who know God and know the Holy Ghost know that that couldn't be true, that it's not, it wasn't built on Peter. But then there's all this discussion, well, then what's he talking about? He said, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. As you, as you probably know, the word, uh, the name Peter means, uh, it comes from the Greek word and it means a rock. 
or a stone. And in this passage of scripture, in the original Greek, there's a play on words. And there's another word for rock. And when he said, and upon this rock, I will build my church, it's not exactly the same word that, that is translated Peter. They're similar, but they're not the same. The word that's translated Peter means a small rock, like a stone. But, the, but when Jesus said, you are Peter, that small rock, he said, then he said, and upon this rock, the word rock there is, is the word for a gigantic a boulder, like a, a, a Gibraltar-like rock, a huge, massive rock. He said, you are Peter, a small stone, but upon this massive rock, I will build my church. And so there's all kinds of ideas, you know, well, what is that rock? What is he talking about? Well, I'm, I'm of the opinion that Scripture interprets Scripture. And, uh, and you'll hear different views, and I have one too. And I'll just tell you what, what, uh, what I believe it is. It's right here in verse 19. He said, upon this massive rock, this solid rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, how many of you know he wasn't just talking to Peter? This belongs to the church. I believe, and I wouldn't fight anybody over it, but I have the pulpit so I can say what I believe. It, it's, it, it, uh, to me, I firmly believe that the authority to bind and loose which is, which is uh, uh, our authority in Christ. It summarizes our authority in Christ. Upon this rock, he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because whatever you bind on earth will be bound on, in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The church's authority. Amen. Jesus gave us authority. He gave the church authority. And the church is not going to prevail against the forces of darkness and against the gates of hell by being nice, by being culturally sensitive, by being politically correct. The church is going to prevail against the, the, the gates of hell by exercising spiritual authority. And, and when he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound, uh, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose, that binding and loosing simply means whatever you forbid and whatever you allow. And the church in these last days, in this move of God, God is raising up an awareness that we have authority we have authority to stop some things. We have authority to say, no, you don't, devil. You're not taking over our nation. You're not taking over our culture. You're not taking over uh, the church. You're not taking over in our families. You're not taking over against our loved ones. You're not taking over our children. You're not taking over our lives. You're not taking over our health or our finances. Amen. Whatever you bind, whatever you forbid Satan to do, God will back you up. Whatever you allow, whatever you loose, whatever you permit, some things haven't happened because the church hasn't permitted it to happen. Some things that could have happened, good things that could have happened, that should have happened, that ought to happen, has not happened because the church hasn't allowed it to happen. We have the authority. Amen. And so that's, that's the first reason why I expect... Uh, um, uh, uh, a, a wonderful, powerful, uh, major end time move of the Holy Spirit. And that's because Jesus said, I will build my church and it'll be a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against, but a church that will prevail against the gates of hell. And I believe there's work to be done. I believe we've yet to see our finest hour. I believe the church is yet to see its finest hour. I believe the church in America is yet to see its finest hour. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Let me give you the second reason. Hebrews chapter 7. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. 
Let's begin in verse number 22. By so much more, Jesus has become the surety of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Talking about Old Testament priests. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. You know, the priests of the Old Testament were ordained of God in things pertaining to God, to represent the people before God, to go in between, to be a a go-between between the people and God. And they went into the presence of God and made intercession and... Uh, stood between men and God in a very consecrated role and God was able to to use those priests to uh, and allow them, like I said, to offer intercession and, and to minister in ways that would uh, represent the people and represent not only the people to God but God to the people. But you know, each one of those men were, were natural mortal men and they all died. They weren't able to continue because uh, uh, they, they were natural men. But he, Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hallelujah. Jesus has an unchangeable priesthood because he's not, he's not passing away. Amen. He's not going to die. He entered into an, a, a priesthood when he was raised from the dead and was seated at the right hand of, of the Father. He entered into an unchangeable, immutable, never-ending priesthood, priesthood and it says that he ever lives to make intercession for those who have believed on him. Those who have come to God through him, he ever lives to make intercession. That's why I believe that there must be another final major move of God is because Jesus is interceding for the church. And if you look around, as I've already outlined, there's a lot that needs changing. Amen. We're not collectively as a church, collectively, now you might be and I might be, but collectively as a church, we're not where we ought to be. But thank God Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. And you know, if Jesus is making intercession for us, he, and, and, he can, and he will not stop, he will not change, he will not give up, his intercession will be effective. I said his intercession will be effective. He will get the job done. Now, a lot of times, baby Christians will take comfort when, when they know that a certain person is praying for them. They're very often, young, inexperienced Christians, you know, they'll want somebody else to pray. They want the church to pray, and they want, you know, they'll, they'll maybe call for Sister Holiness, you know, call, call on Sister Holiness and ask Sister Holiness to pray because they believe that if, we can, if I can just get Sister Holiness to pray for me, you know the you know who Sister Holiness is. She's that she's that person. You know that uh, our, our brother our brother Holiness. You know it's that man or woman in, in the congregation where everybody just believes. You know they have an inside channel. You know with God they've got an inside scoop. You know they live such a perfect life and a holy life. And of course they don't. You know they haven't talked to their spouse yet, but. Uh, they believe, you know, they've, just, they've got the ear of God. They know how to pray. If I could just get brother, brother holiness or sister holiness to pray for me and it would bring comfort, you know, because I know that they'll, they'll represent me before God. Well, you laugh about it, but everybody's that way to a degree. <laughs> yeah, amen. I remember when I was dealing with cancer 20 years ago, that uh, Brother Hagen found out about it. And, uh, and I, I was in his meetings during those days. We would go to all of his Holy Ghost, well, not all of them, but a lot of them. And, uh, and he, would, he would be praying, and when I was around him, he would pray for me. 
And I mean, I'd, 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 I was down, you know, we'd have prayer every morning, you know, in his meetings, and I'd be down around the front, you know, or, you know, in my seat, you know, praying, and, and I'd hear Brother Hagin praying for me. And, uh, and a lot of times he called me out and ministered things to me, you know, just encouraging words from the Spirit of God. And, uh, you know, I mean, I know that, that it doesn't matter if Brother Hagin's praying for me or not. I'm going to have to do my own praying. I mean, Brother Hagin can pray for me every day, you know, of his life, but I'm going to have to act on the Word of God myself. But I'll tell you what, it was comforting. Now, don't sit there and say it wouldn't be to you. You know very well it would be. Amen. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is interceding for us. Somebody that knows how to get his prayers answered. Glory to God. Somebody that never fails in prayer. Never had a prayer failure in his life. Never gave up on anybody. Glory to God. Always saw the victory. Always stood by his disciples. Every one of them. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, the son of the living God, God in the flesh, is before the Father every day praying for this church. How can we not go out of here? How can the church not be raptured out of here in a blaze of glory and power in, in, with all firing on all the cylinders when Jesus is praying for the church? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And we're going to have to act on the word. We're going to have to act on the word. He's going to keep praying until we do. I said he's going to keep praying until we do. I said he's going to keep interceding until we do. He ever lives to make intercession for them. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. That's why I expect God to move in some marvelous ways in these last days because Jesus won't give up until he does. I said Jesus won't give up until the Holy Ghost moves. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Go with me to Hebrews, or excuse me, I'm in Hebrews. Go to to, uh, Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. Hallelujah. Verse number 11. For he, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. This is what the Lord Jesus did. When he ascended on high, it says he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And those gifts he gave were apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors who were also teachers. Amen. These These ministry gifts come from the Lord Jesus Christ because they all originate in him. Jesus is the apostle of our faith, amen? Jesus is is the the, uh, preeminent prophet of God. He is the everlasting evangelist. He is the wise and, and, and faithful teacher. He is the true shepherd of the sheep. He is everything these ministries have all of the ministry and grace that was upon the Lord Jesus Christ in ministry grace was distributed among us in these five offices. And they were given, verse 12 says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Now listen, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He's talking about the church. Until the church comes to a mature, complete man. It's not just, this isn't just talking about an individual. This is talking collectively as the church. To the church comes to, to, to become complete and perfect says to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That means that on one hand, in this same epistle, he said the church is the fullness of Christ. In other words, everything that Christ is, he poured into the church. Jesus has emptied himself into the church. There is no Christ without his body. 
When Jesus was here on the earth ministering, he was the anointed one, the Christ. But now the Christ is made up of a head and a body. And the body and the head are inseparable. And Jesus can no more do without us than we can do without him. Because he has divested himself and invested himself in us. He is the head, we are the body. And he says that, that we are the fullness of Christ. And you scratch your head sometime and you say, how can that be? How can we be the fullness of Christ? Well, it be because he said it be. We are the fullness of Christ. It's one thing, though, to be the fullness of Christ, and it's, it's another thing to measure up to that. Till we all come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Till the church actually in experience, when the church actually comes to the place where we actually measure up to the full stature that means the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory, in all of his authority, in all of his power, in all of his wisdom, in all of his grace is fully revealed in the church. That's why he said he gave these gifts that the church would come into that. Well, well like I said, if you look around, you know we're not there yet. The church is not functioning even though we are the fullness of Christ. We're not functioning to the full measure of the full stature of that fullness. But Jesus said he gave these ministry gifts to bring us to that place till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature, perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of, of deceitful plotting. But by speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what, what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes its growth of the body for the edifying of, it, edifying of itself in love. Glory to God. Jesus, when he ascended on high, he distributed his, his ministry graces into the fivefold ministry to bring the church to this place. The reason number three that I expect a, a, a major end time move of God is, that, is because the church hasn't arrived to this place yet and Jesus ordained that we must do that. Jesus has ordained that the church come to this place. Amen. If Jesus came tonight and called us all away, this would not have been fulfilled. I said this would not have been fulfilled. Jesus came tonight and called us all away. This would not have been fulfilled. I don't believe anybody here could say, well, the church today is functioning at the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That would be a failure on Jesus' part. And Jesus is not gonna fail. He's not going to fail. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He, he, if you go on over to the fifth chapter, it says in verse number 27. Well, in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present it to himself a glorious church, having, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. That's what Jesus is doing today. He's sanctifying and cleansing the church with the washing of the water of the word. That's what he's doing. That's what Jesus is doing today. He's getting us ready. Amen. That, we, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Whew. A glorious church. What does that mean? 
It means a church full of glory. Glorious. Only a, only a church that's full of the Holy Ghost, on fire for God, flowing with the Spirit, could be a glorious church. Amen. Go with me over to Second Corinthians and look at chapter 3. Verse number 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This says that the church... Well, verse 17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty. Too much of the church is bound up. Bound up with religion. Bound up with tradition. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He didn't say where the spirit of the Lord is, there's chaos. He didn't say where the spirit of the Lord is, there's, there's fanaticism. He said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We're coming into a day of greater liberty than we've ever known. (laughs) Glory to God. There's some people here, Steve, that are still going to get free. We're going to get freer than we've been. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, people are not bound up. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there, there isn't resistance, fear. Come on now. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Liberty to move. Liberty to rejoice. Liberty to worship. Liberty to obey. Liberty to dance. Liberty to prophesy. Liberty to lay hands on the sick. Liberty to see miracles. Liberty, 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 liberty. Liberty to respond to the Holy Ghost. Where the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a, as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Because we can't look fully on his glory in this in this body and this frail human flesh we cannot fully look on his glory but it says we're looking as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed unto the same image from glory to glory as by the spirit of the Lord only the Holy Spirit filled church can be conformed into his glory Only the spirit-filled church can mirror the glory of the Lord. Amen. It's going to take a major move of God's glory. It's going to take us seeing God's glory better than we've seen it before. We've had a vision of glory, but we're we're going from glory to glory. From one level of glory to another level of glory. Hallelujah. That's the plan for the church. The plan for the church is not one of diminishing returns, of not growing weaker and less glorious and less authoritative and and, and less effective and, and prevailing less and less, but prevailing more and more against the forces of darkness, going on to the fullness of the stature, of the measure of the stature of Christ, going on to the greater glory of God, going on to a place where we mirror his glory. That's why, that's why I expect another major outpouring of God's glory. Whew. Hallelujah. <laughs> like I said, only a spirit-filled church can be a glorious church. That's reason number three. Reason number four, and I'll stop with this one. The church age is, is specifically the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you study the the topic of dispensations, which is just a fancy religious word, uh, 
You can say it like this. You can categorize it or summarize it like this. The Old Testament was a dispensation of God the Father. And the Gospels would be the dispensation of the Son, God the Son. Jesus was revealed. But that the church age is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts has been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's really the acts of the church through the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit. Or you could say the acts of the Holy Spirit through the church. But the whole church age is the dispensation of the Spirit. We're living in the age of the Holy Spirit. It happened on the day of Pentecost. Something different happened on the day of Pentecost. Something was ushered in. An age, an era was entered into, was ushered in on the day of Pentecost unlike anything that had ever happened before. When the Holy Spirit fell upon people, they were filled with just ordinary. Up until that time, only certain people had the Holy Spirit. And even then in the Old Testament, nobody had the Holy Spirit in them. Certain ones who were specially chosen, like the prophet or the priest or the king, had the Holy Spirit come upon them to, to enable them to stand in that office and to fulfill that ministry. But common people didn't have the Holy Spirit in them or upon them. But in this generation, in the, in the, in the age of the church, the Holy Spirit has come in to live on the inside of every Christian. Every believer has the Holy Ghost on the inside. And then we come before him and are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the anointing that was only reserved for a precious few in the Old Testament has come upon everybody. Glory to God. We're living in the dispensation of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, according to the New Testament, moves. He falls he quickens, he manifests. He's not passive or idle. He empowers, he witnesses, he testifies, he demonstrates. All of these words define and, and, and show us how the Holy Spirit is alive and dynamic and he's working in the church, glory to God. And so the reason number four is that the church age is specifically the, the, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit and the church age began in a blaze of Holy Ghost power. I said the church age began with a mighty demonstration, a glorious blaze of Holy Spirit power. I don't believe for a minute the church age is gonna pass away with a flicker. Just the flame just barely flickering, you know just barely flickering ere it go out in the house of God, you know, just barely flickering. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe what God started with a blaze, he's gonna end up in a blaze. I believe how God started on the day of Pentecost with a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It, it just doesn't make sense that we would end this age with anything less than the way we started, glory to God. Hallelujah, well, let's stand up, praise God. Hallelujah, thank you, Father. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We haven't seen anything yet. And we've seen a little bit, but it's been a little bit. Yeah, we've seen a little bit, but it's been a little bit. Amen. There's more to come, praise God. More to come. Glory to God. More to come. I tell you what, we're living in the most precious, the most wonderful, powerful hour that you could live, if you could choose any time in history and go back before you were born and say, what would be the best time to live? Right now would be the best time. Right now would be. I'm talking about from a Christian's perspective, no time like today. Oh, glory to God. We stand upon the very uh, 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 threshold of one of the greatest demonstrations of God's glory and power that this world has ever seen. And we all get to be players. We all get to be involved in it. We're not going to sit back and, and read about it. You know, we read about the things that happened in the Bible. We read about things that have happened to other people. And, and we rejoice and think how wonderful that is. But listen, we're, we're the ones that will be the, 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 the chosen ones in this day. We're the ones God's going to use. Amen. Look at yourself and say, God's going to use me, praise God. He's going to use me in these last days. Hallelujah.
Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Prepare your heart. Prepare your understanding. Prepare your ways. Prepare your going in and your coming out. Take account of how you live and how you, and how you move and operate. And prepare yourself to not be weighted down with things that encumber and hold you back. But prepare yourself, prepare your ways, prepare your thoughts, prepare your vision, expand your understanding and know that you're living in the days of the glorious outpouring and make yourself available to be one that God can use in a powerful way because no one is incapable of being used by the power of God. No one in my body, the Lord says, not a one is incapable of of doing great things for me, says the Lord. So prepare yourself, yield yourself, but above everything tonight, expect God's glory. Expect God's power as you prepare yourself for it in this final hour. And you'll see his grace upon you. You'll see his strength upon you too. You'll see wisdom and glory and grace that will confound all that you've seen and known before. You will walk in ways that you've never walked in. You will do things you've never done. You will see things you've never seen. You will understand mysteries that have been hidden in the past. And you'll see and know the will of God and the way of God and the way to go. And so stay hungry and, 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 and see yourself and prepare yourself for this final hour has come and you're the ones I'll use, says the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Father, we surrender everything, everything to you. Glory to God that we might be vessels, vessels that are unrestricted, vessels where there's liberty for you to flow however you want to. Help us, Father, to get rid of preconceived ideas and thinkings thinkings of of things that would hold us back would limit us maybe thinkings of, of 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 how you've always done things help us father to be completely yielded where there's full liberty for you to manifest yourself in us and through us Glory to God. Father, we, we yield ourselves to you, Lord, for you to flow, for you to flow, for you to reveal things. Show us, each one, what our place is, what our part is, how you would have us think and live. Glory to God. We can be available we make ourselves available. Help us, Father, to, to, to know how to be available as we ought to be in these last days. Hallelujah. Oh, my, my, my. Glory to God. Church, I just wish I could get you to see, I hope I can get you to see that there's not anybody that God cannot use in powerful, glorious ways. You do not have to be a preacher. You do not have to be in full-time ministry. But some of you will be. You're not, it's, but that's not required. God will use everybody who's available in, in these last days. Glory to God. He can use you right where you are in your ordinary lives but in extraordinary ways doing things in you and through you that maybe you only thought belonged to certain people. 
but we are that certain people. You are that certain one. So get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Prepare yourself. Get ready. How do you get ready? Well, you don't get ready by just wasting your time. You don't get yourself ready by being interested in everything else other than the things of God. You don't get yourself ready by running after this world and the fashion of this world, the fashions of the day and the philosophies of the day. You get yourself ready by separating yourself unto him, beginning to think how he thinks and look at things the way he looks. And the only way you'll know to do that is by getting into the word of God. Hallelujah. And allowing the Holy Spirit to paint a new picture for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, we're getting ourselves ready. We're getting ourselves ready to, to the extent that we can do what we can do. But Father, we know without your hand, without the manifestation of your spirit, without the outpouring and the glory of the Lord, our efforts will not be enough. Glory to God. But we submit ourselves to you, Lord. You do what only you can do. And we'll do that which only we can do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father Jesus. Hallelujah. We'll just say this after me. Lord, I present myself. I yield myself. I prepare myself. I prepare my heart. I prepare my doings. I prepare my ways to go with you, to, to yield myself, to flow with you in these last days. Have your way in me, not my will, but your will be done for your glory and for your honor. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's all God needs. It's been said, you know, that God doesn't need your ability. He needs your availability. Amen. God will give you the ability. Just make yourself available. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.